right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Oh, baby, what time is it? You're listening to MMA Fancast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Welcome to the show. My guest today is legendary in the 125 ranks of MMA in the United States. You probably should already know his name, Sean. Shorty Rock Centella, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. Hey, you know, I looked back, and uh, you were on the show uh, for us back in late June, almost exactly a year ago, a year and a week ago um, of last year. And in that year, incredible things have happened. Obviously, world-shocking coronavirus pandemic, but there's been a lot. Um, just so much in your life's happened in the last year. So I guess... To jump in, let's start with the most recent news, and then we'll kind of work backwards. The most recent news okay. is that you have signed with Brave Combat Federation to join their eight-man flyweight tournament, which they call their 57-kilogram tournament. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm super excited to join that. I think that, you know, they have the best uh, flyweights in the world. You know, it's pretty much like the best of the best, in my opinion. And uh, I'm really looking forward to getting in there and mixing it up with uh, some of the best guys. They offer me a great opportunity to be a part of a tournament. I really wish it was a one-night tournament because I've always wanted to do that. That's one of, like, my MMA bucket list is to do, you know, a one-night tournament. Um, but I'll take it. You know, it's an eight-man tournament over a couple months. So I'm excited to, uh, to join, and I'm excited to stay active. That's my main thing. You know, I just want to fight, and I want to fight often. And when I can't fight, I'm miserable, you know? So during this time with everything, it's just been really stressful with, with life, with, you know, with fighting, with personal stuff, you know, and a lot of it has to do with not being able to do the thing that I love most, you know? Absolutely. And speaking of that, um, you, you stepped away from your title that you had defended several times for CFFC, mm -hmm. basically a year ago, September of 2019, after defeating Blaine uh, Shoot. Uh, what what has that been like? You know, that decision, you posted it out there on social media, wasn't a desire to step away from MMA. It was a desire to allow SafeFC to move on and allow you to get into a bigger promotion and fight kind of at a higher level. And obviously now it's come to fruition. But what was, what was it like to make that decision? Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, it was more about uh, me giving – um, my, my teammates, the opportunity to move forward in their career. Um, I was pretty much holding up the division. You know, I fought everybody that they put in front of me for what, like the last nine years. And there really wasn't anybody left except for pretty much teammates. And, um, you know, it got to the point where, you know, CFSC exhausted all their options that they were willing to put out for me. And, um, you know, I, I really didn't have a choice, but to, either sit on the sidelines because I wasn't going to get a fight or to vacate the belt and, you know, get released out of my contract and then try to go to a bigger promotion. You know, I was kind of hoping that they would help me with marketing and, 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 you know, stuff like that to, to kind of get into a bigger promotion, but they didn't at all, which was, uh, you know, it is what it is. But so, you know, I had to move on. There was nothing left for me. And, you know, I'm excited for, um, you know, the, the newer guys in the division, especially my teammates, 
to come up and, and suck up the belt and move on to bigger and better things like myself. Well, absolutely. And you pointed out not only your reason for giving it up, being selfless and trying to help out your teammates, but you also pointed out something that a lot of people don't understand with regional MMA, which is it's regional, meaning in a certain yep. area, the, the fighting pool is only so deep. And a lot of times what ends up happening when, when a legend like you is in there, you, you, you end up kind of controlling that region for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. And obviously yep. that's great for you, but it ends up kind of having ramifications for the people you're training. Um, something else that, that's interesting for me now, having had you on the show two times, is last year in June, we were talking about a very similar situation. You were ranked just like you are now. You were ranked number one pretty much everywhere. I mean, Tapology has yep. you number one in New Jersey, number one in Pennsylvania, number one in New Number North one in the United States. Yeah. I, I was building up for it slow to big, <laughs> which is why I started with New Jersey. Come on, champ. Um, but no, and then of course, you're number one in USA. I was building up to that. Yeah. But uh, and you've been number one in USA for years. And we, we yep. talked about this last year with your desire to get to a bigger promotion. That was like the majority of our conversation when you were on the show mm -hmm. last year and you laid out kind of your willingness to travel you wanted to get overseas you wanted to get to a promotion yep. that can bring in a ton of talent and brave fc kind of uh, brave cf kind of um has all of that so jumping back to 2018 you fought for them in morocco um and mm -hmm. they actually just recently put up a video of you walking out to the cage after you signed this contract. Um, and obviously the production value is huge. It has massive support over there. And it's based out of the kingdom of Bahrain, which is actually yep. in the Persian Gulf. And I did some research. It's near Saudi Arabia. But you fought in Morocco, which is actually just mm -hmm. under Spain. So what was that whole situation like? Uh, it was definitely an experience. You know, it's my first time fighting. Uh, outside of the, the country and, you know, kind of like halfway across the world. So it was definitely an experience. Um, there was a lot of hiccups because there was travel restrictions going on at that time. So my flight um, kept getting canceled. And then, you know, uh, I, I had a hard time figuring out when I was flying out because my contract said one thing, but the person that I was talking to that's no longer with Brave wasn't getting back to me. So I was kind of left in limbo and I was actually going to pull out of the fight because I wasn't getting any communication. You know, I'm thinking I was going to be out there a week prior, like my contract said, now it's the week of the fight and I still don't have my itinerary. And so, you know, last minute I got my itinerary, my flight got delayed on the way to, uh, to the airport. And I'm like, listen, if there's one more hiccup, I'm, I'm not doing it. You know, there's too many signs that are saying, you know, there's something going on. And uh, we made it out there. And unfortunately, while I was in the air, my connecting flight to Tangiers uh, got canceled. So I got stuck in Casablanca for five hours waiting for a ride to come get me. And then we had to drive five hours to Tangiers. So I got there really, really late, a lot later than I expected. Thank God that I don't cut a lot of weight. So, you know, it was definitely an emotional roller coaster. And then it's my first time fighting for Brave, so I had to do a lot of their production, you know. So I was running around kind of like, you know, like a maniac trying to get all the stuff done and not being able to really concentrate on the fight. And it was, you know, to me, the biggest fight of my career. That was number one contender fight for their, their belt. And uh, it was just really hard to concentrate with all of uh, everything going on. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so it is what it is. You know, I went out there, uh, had a good first round. And um, the second and third, he snuck by. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little upset with how the referee kind of let the fight go with kind of like the lack of action with how my opponent at the time was, uh, was trying to fight. And, um, you know, he had a great game plan. He listened to his coaches and he came out with the W. So, you know, hats off to him. But, you know, it's definitely a fight I would like to get back, you know. Well, and since then, you've gone on three, a three-win streak and you're 10, you've won 10 out of your last 12. And getting that mm -hmm. experience on the world stage in a foreign country, jumping through airports is probably exactly what you needed given what's going on now. You talked about travel restrictions and some changing air airplane stuff that happened in 2018. I can only imagine yep. some of the stuff that might come up now. So obviously that person from Brave kind of wasn't as professional. How is it now, now that you're back in, have you noticed a difference? They've organized this eight person flyweight. What have they been telling you as far as their goal for this tournament? Yeah, so I think it's definitely a, a huge improvement. I think um, from from my contact that I talked to, they actually created a board. So now it's no longer like going through one person. Everything has to go through a board. And I believe 1FC is like that as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's a, uh, it, it's a little better structured. And they said that they redid everything. You know, they had mentioned a couple of people that were on the board. And, you know, I like that idea because, you know, we're only human. And, you know, sometimes your emotions and stuff like that can get to you. And, you know, some people can't get a fair shake. So if you have like, you know, an issue with one guy that's in the promotion, right. that can really hinder your ability to move forward and get fights. And I felt like, not that I had a problem with the, the connect that I had, but I had a three fight deal over 18 months with Brave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I fought one time. And I had a, another opponent uh, fail his medicals like two weeks before I was supposed to fly out and they couldn't get the, you know, the, um, the visa into the Saudi Arabia. And so I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, they're going to get me on the next card. Next card came, didn't get on. And then that, that person wasn't answering my calls. And I'm like, dude, like, I want to fight. You guys are signing new flyweights, but you're not getting me a fight. you there's a kid that you just signed that fought twice, you know, and I, I, fought before he was even signed. Why am I not getting fights, you know? So my thing is, I want to be active. Win, lose, draw, I want to continue fighting. As long as I'm able to fight and I'm not injured, I want to fight. And they weren't able to do that at first. So, you know, the cool thing was they let me fight out of contract and that's where I ended up, you know, my contract expired and I fought, you know, back, back regionally. But I really stressed that to the new uh, contact uh, Jason over, over there. I said, listen, you know, I just want to stay active, man. I love the fact that it's a tournament because as long as I win, I'm going to keep fighting. It's guaranteed. But you know, God forbid, you know, willing, if I do lose, please just keep me active, you know? And he, he assured me, Hey, listen, we have a great roster. We're going to keep these guys fighting. We're not looking to sign a huge division. We want the guys that we have to stay active. And that's, that was huge. You know? So between that and them having the board, it, it, it sold me, you know, like uh, I was really excited for, for that news, you know? So, um, you know, that, that's the main thing, you know? So I, I'm super excited with their ideas and they also have some other things that we were talking about with, um, you know, being like a, a, a brand ambassador, like a brave ambassador. 
in the United States, like in the Northeast region of the United States, which is really cool, you know? So especially with, I do plan on opening up my own school after everything kind of settles down, you know, more, more revenue coming in with whatever I can that has to do with fighting, whether it's marketing for that promotion while I'm fighting, you know, uh, after fighting, you know, I want to stay within the sport as much as I can. So that was another thing that they had mentioned that they're looking at doing, you know, moving on from fighting, but building brave, you know? So I thought that was very intriguing and interesting. So, um, you know, I'm excited for that as well. Absolutely. It's, it's great. You pointing out how, um, MMA promotions have to also in a way sell themselves to the fighters because yep. so much can go wrong. You know, they go bankrupt. There's shady deals. In your case, you were fighting for them two years after they were first created. So it does kind of make sense that, that they wouldn't have been where they are now, you know, even right. later, now four years later. So um, any news on time frame for the tournament and because of their physical location in the kingdom of Bahrain, is that going to be – where the fight is? Have they given you any understanding? Is it going to be in the AEU? Is it going to be back up in Morocco? Have they talked about physically where they're going to be? So uh, the rumor has it, and I'm not 100% sure because I haven't gotten my first bout agreement, is that it's going to be in August and it's going to be in the, the kingdom of Bahrain and it's going to be the first round of the tournament. Okay, that makes sense. Eight-man tournament. So four, four, and then down from there. We will, we will hope to get you back on. Really want you back on the show once you get that bout agreement. But I was just so excited because of our conversation last year and knowing that you wanted to take it up to the next level and get international experience and stay busy. And then I had seen um, on social media that you stepped uh, down. You gave up the CFFC belt. So when I saw that you had signed for a tournament and then I did some research on Brave CF and saw that they, they really take the global exposure. And it's interesting to point out that and it's hard because we're very centric on our own viewpoint, which is in the United States. The United States is a very small portion of the fighting world, particularly you yep. mentioned 1FC. They're showing it. The Asian market is huge. Now the, um, the Middle East market and the United Arab Emirates and all of the top part of Africa, which is where you had uh, fought last time, are huge in loving MMA. So you're, you're stepping onto the biggest stage, uh, which is just so exciting. I'm so glad to get you on and talk about the beginning of it. Um, given the fact that it's a tournament, is this aimed towards a belt? Is there a belt involved at the end? Yes, so it's for the flyweight title. What happened was the kid that I lost to, Marat, uh, he missed weight after our fight. And so he won, but he couldn't get the title. So it was still vacant, um, you know. And then Shorty Torres was supposed to fight, I believe, uh, Marcel Ador, if I'm not mistaken. And then Shorty had to pull out. Uh, he had some um, personal issues. And he, he, uh, I think he pulled out, like, the day before the fight. And uh, so the belt was just kind of floating around. So no one's actually been the the champion since they've announced the division. And that sounds like that worked out great for you. So that they'd be motivated to do this big tournament because an eight person tournament is probably the majority of their flyweight stable, which gives everybody a chance. It's very fair and equal. Everybody gets an opportunity to 
get exposed to their crowd mm -hmm. and their people, which is just really exciting to see you get this, um, this wonderful opportunity. Speaking of opportunities, shifting away from Brave, although there's obviously more to be done and we'll have you back on when you have an opponent and you've got a game plan, but you've also been getting a lot more exposure and experience. And I know coaching is your absolute passion. We talked a lot about it last time. You were thinking about opening up your own gym and now it's a good thing you didn't because of coronavirus, but you've been doing a ton of cornering, both for Invicta and UFC, dealing with the coronavirus, but you've been there as a corner. What's it been like cornering these female fighters at the highest level? And also what's it been like dealing with coronavirus as a coach and showing up and getting tested and all those things? Um, it's, it's definitely been an experience, you know, um, between, you know, getting, getting tested and, and having the doctors kind of following you around and all that other stuff. It's, uh, it's definitely a unique situation, but I'm, I'm happy that they do it for the fighter safety and, you know, you got to do what you got to do because the show has to go on. So, you know, I, I'm glad that, that Dana stepped forward and, and, you know, took the lead with professional sports and said, Hey. I'm doing this and I really don't care. I will make it happen. And I think that they've really done everything possible to really make sure that the fighters are, are safety, you know, safety first. They're, they're safe and they're getting tested. And as you know, recently, you know, unfortunately Gilbert Burns ended up testing positive, you know, so that just goes to show that was the main event, you know, like they're on top of it, you know, they're, they're really on top of it. And, and uh, same thing with Invicta. When you look through that whole thing, oh, we'll get to Invicta. When you look through the Gilbert Burns thing, the, the way they did the testing, it was testing to even be admitted to the plane because they're flying over to the AEU. And you're really showing yep. how I know you and your uh, Van Zant, Lindsey Van Zant, were just in Missouri yep. and you guys were quarantined together. So getting, getting yep. to, to the Invicta fight, which is what that was in Missouri, how was that dealing with the quarantine, but knowing that the level of safety is there because obviously they're doing that preemptively. So you don't have somebody mm -hmm. a week later test positive and realize, Oh crap, they've infected a bunch of people. Right. Yep. So it, it, in uh, for Invicta, you know, we had to stay isolated in our room. Like once we landed, we got tested. And uh, the only difference between Invicta and the UFC was the, the UFC did the antibody testing, mm -hmm. which was uh, like a finger prick, almost like uh, when you're going to get your sugar levels tested for um, diabetes. Mm -hmm. And that comes back a lot quicker. So if that came back negative, then you were good to, you know, uh, train downstairs and cut weight. And if it came back like irregular, then they had to hold you in a separate room by yourself for 24 hours until your, your swab test came back. So I know that that, you know, obviously costs more money because now it's like, you know, more blood work and twice as many tests, you know, Invicta just did the swab. So you had to wait about, you know, 24 hours to get the results back. Ours didn't come back for almost 36 hours. So um, you know, it came back, but we were stuck in the room, but Invicta did everything they could. They brought a mat up so that way we can cut weight and still work out for the two days that we weren't allowed to leave our room right. in the room, which is awesome. You know, you put it, they, they volunteered, Hey, you know, we'll bring a mat up if you need it, being that you can't make it down to your scheduled workout, uh, time, you know? So then once we got the okay, we were good to go to start training. But, you know, they, they had it set where everybody stayed away from everybody. You had to wear a mask everywhere you went. Um, 
everybody on their staff had a mask. You know, um, the staff was very minimum at the event. So they did, they took every priority they could to make sure that, you know, the fighter safety was definitely first. So, um, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, it, it feels good knowing that they're really caring about people's safety and they're not just, it's not just a show. It's not just somebody saying, Hey, you know, we care. It's, they're actually costing them a lot of money. And I look at it like, I don't know how these shows are making money because there's no gate. So they're actually costing a lot of money to put on these shows, you know, but they're also spending a lot of money on the testing, you know? So I'm sure that if they wanted, they can say, Hey, we'll wait until things get back to normal. So that way we're not losing, you know, money and they're not, you know, so that's, that's awesome. Well, it also shows, and, and I think in a way, fighting, you know, you were, you were involved in history there because Dana White in Florida uh, was the first one to open back up as far as a uh, um, sporting, any professional sporting event. And so that's history right there. Now you're cornering in historical times and soon you'll be fighting in August. I'm sure there'll still be concerns and tests and all types of stuff still going on. I think it also shows, which is what's so exciting, it shows that MMA as a two one-on-one -on -one person sport really can be done this way because you don't have a basketball team, which is five on five or a football team, which is 25 ish people. You know, it, you can really limit the contact from the moment they get there because you've got your coaches in your corner. So I think it's also raising the level of MMA. I know that some of my friends that never watch MMA when it came back, they started watching it. So this is a beautiful time to kind of get some exposure because Invicta probably has more watchers right now than it usually would. Same thing with the UFC. And you see the UFC doing that with a triple header as far as three um, title fights with the card that's coming up Saturday. And I think a lot of it's because they know that they're, they're actually getting bumped in the number of views because there's nothing else going yep. on. A hundred percent. Yep. And I've had, I had a ton of people message me about the Invicta fight just simply because there's nothing on TV and it was a Thursday night. So there's people that I know that, that would have never, you know, probably even bought fight pass to, to watch it, but simply because there's nothing else on, they, they jumped at that opportunity, you know? And I feel like the same thing with the UFC the numbers are going to skyrocket simply because what else are you going to watch sports wise? There's nothing. They're playing, you know, games like college football games on ESPN from like the 80s. They are. You know, they so are. Yeah. There, there's nothing on. And so the fight fans are, are licking their chops like, come on, come on, you know. So anything, whether it's Titan, whether it's, you know, if it was CFSC on Fight Pass, it doesn't matter. Right. They're going to watch it, you know. So well, in an exciting tie in to Brave, Brave also has this opportunity because I could tell that they have a desire to have streams and have people watching it. So Brave also has an opportunity to raise up to the exposure level of 1FC um, and the UFC because um, Brave obviously is well-established, but not necessarily well-established from the American perspective. And that's a big thing mm -hmm. to recognize. I, I was looking into their stuff. They're, they're well-established for a four-year-old promotion, but they, they, and I think we were building up to, to saying that you're the number one flyweight in the USA, have been for years. It makes perfect sense that they see you as a figurehead of, of United States MMA. And it's also great that not only are you a fighter and a figurehead in the sense of we've got the best that the United States has to offer, but also you as a coach. What's it mm -hmm. like knowing that you are impacting quite literally 
the future 10, 15 years, probably even longer, as far as the dominance in both female and male MMA? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said before, you know, coaching is, is my passion, you know, and I love it. And I obviously love competing and fighting, you know, so I'm just glad that I can share my knowledge to the next generation. And really, you know, anybody that's willing to listen and want to learn, you know, I, I have something to offer, you know, so, uh, um, you know, I'm honored that a lot of the higher level, uh, men and women have been, you know, um, have reached out to me about working with them, you know, privately to, to help out their game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's an honor, you know, and, and I feel blessed to be able to do that, you know? So even when, you know, my time is done, I'm still going to be around it. You know, uh, I'm going to stay around it fighting as long as I can. My body feels great. I feel like I have a ton of fights left in me. I feel like I haven't taken much damage in my 12 years, you know, um, for the fact that I'm fighting at one of the lowest weight classes, you know, that I think that helps a lot. And I take care of my body you know, I don't get too heavy and then cut a lot of weight and get too heavy and cut a lot of weight. You know, I'm pretty, pretty smart for as active as I am a lot smarter now than I was when I first started, you know, and I think that has to do with not only experience, but the exposure and, you know, the, um, you know, the, the population just getting into it at a very younger age where 12 years ago, yeah, it was coming up, but there wasn't a lot of people in the gym, my size, everybody was bigger. So I was always sparring with bigger guys, putting a toll on my body. Now, you know, I have a room full of 25, 35 and 45 pounders. So I think that helps out with the longevity of my career. But even when it's time to hang up, you know, I'm still going to be around as much as I can, whether it's a head jujitsu instructor at a, another gym or having my own gym, you know, I'm, I'm super, super excited, you know, for that next chapter. And, um, you know, I'm kind of dabbling it now with the cornering and stuff like that. I'm not a hundred percent just concentrating on the fighters, but I do give enough where, you know, I feel like everybody kind of benefits that's around me. Oh, absolutely. And to get into the coaching weeds a little bit, um, here's something, here's a coaching specific question. You mentioned starting to be starting to get pulled in to sort of higher level fighters where they already have an established camp. They already have a pro fight career. They're already kind of distinguishing themselves. What's it like mm -hmm. jumping in to critique and coach and fine tune somebody's at that level compared to starting with somebody at the basic white level beginning and working all the way up with them over a five, 10 year period. What's it like as a coach going from building somebody completely up to more fine tuning them? And, and what's the pros and cons to that? So I think just because of my, my personality and how I am, it's just a very natural um, transition. Um, I like, to, I don't really like to say critique because then people kind of take it the wrong way. You know, sure. um, I look at it with, with the guys that are more advanced that have been around the game for a long time. You know, I, I give them just a little, a little bit of my flavor and if they like it, they can add it in, you know, more or less like maybe the cherry on top of a, a perfect Sunday. Sure. You know, I just like to give options. Hey, this works well for me. It might work for well for you. If not, you know, at least you learn something new, you know, like, uh, with these guys, no one's really doing anything wrong because they've made it to the highest level, you know? So it's just more about making what they already have just a little bit better, you know? And with, 
with jujitsu and MMA and even striking, everything is still evolving, you know? So even your everything's getting better over time. And with me, I never get very like, you know, like stagnant where I'm not trying to learn. I'm always traveling, you know, like I'm traveling New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York to learn from, you know, instructors. And I'm always getting better. I'm always learning new details and I'm always sharing it with everybody. So with the guys that are a little more well-established, you know, I, I look at their game and then, you know, I give them again, not so much a critique, but Hey, you know, this is something I do. Maybe you'll like it, you know? Um, because again, I don't want to change something that's already working well, but if you can give them a little detail to make it a little bit better, then it's all right. And as far as like the new students, they're just like sponges, you know? So you're just sharing as much as you can and trying not to overload them. But you also have to treat each student, especially ones that want to fight, as, like individuals. Not everybody has the same style, you know? Not everybody's going to be like a shorjitsu fighter, like that's a, a scrappler, you know, like that's a scrappy grappler. Some of these guys are going to be more of like a heavy, slow-paced, you know, style game. Yeah. So I feel that I'm good because I can show that. And I recognize it. I don't try to force everybody to be like me. And I think that's a huge thing with some of these trainers. They want to, they want to mold everybody to be like the same, same fighter. And you can't do that. Everybody's different. Everybody's unique. Everybody's special. You got to find what's special to them and what works well for them and then help them grow as a fighter. You can't force them to change unless they're doing something technically wrong. You know, you got to let them grow on their own and, and kind of be there and guide them, you know? Yeah, you're pointing out the huge aspect of coaching from the coach's perspective that involves mental perspectives. And, and all too often coaches um, get into, this makes sense for me, so this is how everybody has to do it. And you'll see that a lot, particularly in the fight world, where you get a lot of personalities, big personalities, former fighters, and that's great. Uh, and you're a current fighter. Down the road, you'll be a former fighter that can coach, but you'll only be helpful if you're able to help people get better for them, not just fight like right. you fought. And you'll see, and you'll see that um, you know some of the legends in the older days of UFC still think that they that they can train people like it's in the '90s, where you only need no. certain skill sets. And you'll see that I'm not throwing gyms under, but you know what I'm talking about. There were popular gyms that were franchised by 90s, early 1,000 UFC guys, and then suddenly they're not winning fights anymore because they were like, this was working in the 90s and the early They didn't 1000s. evolve, yep. But you talk about evolution, just watching, just in post-corona, and this is what's been so exciting. We were talking about the UFC, but really all fighting. Just because corona shut everybody down, I think it forced most of the MMA world to innovate, to do different things, to be in longer camps, stuff where they usually wouldn't get to it. Um, because right. just just in post-corona, the level of technique growth, the level of, of, of variable things, you know, a local Pittsburgh MMA fighter, shout out to Kama, the Death Star, Worthy is known as a knockout guy, then goes out there in the UFC and gets a great guillotine finish, you know. And yep. not that he didn't have that before, he always had that, but it – but it's just the fights are so exciting now. And I think it's because everybody's developed so much during Corona. What's one thing as a fighter, because obviously you're beginning to really grow as a coach. Um, how do you still get your developmental time 
for 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 you as as a current champion, as a future champion, as somebody who's a legend, and now you may be a month, month and a half away from fighting. How does that look for you? So because my mentality when I walk into a training session is I'm a white belt. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up whatever, whatever the instructor's putting down. I don't go in there thinking, you know, um, um, you know, um, Sean Santella, the prior, you know, CFFC champ, 20 plus wins, whatever. I don't look at it that way. I go in, I put in as hard a work as I can, you know, and I try to soak up as much as I can. And I try to absorb everything from that training session, you know? So I go in as a newbie every day you know obviously that mindset's different when i go in as a coach and i have people coming in right, right. but me as a fighter when i go into my personal training sessions with my team i look at it i'm the student they're the coach they're the professor and i'm gonna learn i'm gonna take something away from today that i didn't know yesterday that's gonna make me that little bit better and i think that helps me as a coach because it leaves the ego at the door and I'm always going to continue learning, you know, like I've never stopped. I've never stopped going to classes. When I got my black belt, it started all over again. You know, when I got my first belt or my 15th belt, I kept going to classes. I'm a student, you know, like I never thought I was better than anybody. I still learned from white belts. I still learned from people that were at the Academy for a month, you know, like that's always been my mindset. I never put myself above anybody else you know? And, um, I think that's helped me as a coach and as a fighter because I'm, I'm coachable. And I still don't think that the world has seen the best shorty rock yet. You know, I honestly don't cause I'm still learning. I'm still doing things different. I'm still getting better. I'm still improving. So, you know, it's going to be exciting. I think, you know, when, when I'm able to go out there on that international stage, you're going to see a completely different fighter, you know, and that's what I'm excited for because now things are really starting to click. And if you've actually looked at my last three fights, you know, you've seen a little bit more of what I have. It's, it's, yeah, it's a high paced grappling match, but you got to see some ground and pounds in my second to last fight against, um, Andres, you know, you obviously you get to see, you know, me grappling and stuff like that. You got to see me on my back and uh, work in my guard against Blaine Shutt, you know? You, you got to see the, the scrappiness against Naoki, who was, you know, one of the best guys in the world. And, and these two guys were under 21 years old, you know? Like, I'm, I'm pushing 35, and these guys are 18, 19 years old, fighting at a top level. Between the two of them, I think their record was like 19 and 2 when I fought them, you know? And you're seeing me dominate and you're seeing me evolve even this late in my career, you know, and I think that's going to be scary for any 125 pounder in the world, regardless of the promotion. Absolutely. I mean, I know Jim and I last year when you came on the show, we fanboyed over you because of just the level of experience you bring in. You're at over 30 pro fights, 23 mm -hmm. wins, seven losses, but just the depth. And I completely agree with you. I mean, we were talking about how at the time, uh, Demetrius Johnson was still in the UFC. Now he's since transitioned. We were talking about how you your skill set matches up at literally the top of the top in the 125-pound division. And I think you've done it the right way because you've respected who you are as a fighter. You talked about how some of those losses early in your career came because you were jumping up to 135, which just isn't a healthy um, environment for you. That's just not who you are as a person. And I think it's, it's great that you've respected 
your natural size. You've been very healthy in an environment where weight cutting gets out of control. And I, I think you're now starting to see the rewards, like you were talking about, your body's in healthier shape. Well, we know some of the guys that do crazy cuts or crazy weight gains end up cutting their career short because their body can't handle it. So I think just who you are as a person, your willingness to learn, your skill set, but also your desire to constantly evolve is is literally not only great for your career, but going to be great for all the fighters around you. That, that's just going to be such a beautiful thing. And down the road, you'll open up your gym, and I'm sure that'll become a destination because that's another thing. When you look back over the last 10, 15 years, just in gyms, you, MMA gyms, top-level MMA gyms are constantly changing. If you look back mm-hmm. through it, you'll get a hub. There was the, the Black Zillions. I'm pointing that out because that gym uh, disbanded, but there was it a isn't, hub. It isn't there anymore. And, and who's to say that you're, you're in the Scranton area, right? That's your – uh, yeah, kind of. I'm not too far from Scranton, but more like uh, northern New Jersey. Oh. So where where I plan on opening up, there there really isn't much in the area I want. You know, I'm far enough away from the people that I know. And gotcha. I feel like, you know, there's a population that's big enough. And I, I plan on moving far enough where sure. everybody can get along and we can still all work together because, you know, we all grew up together. We're all friends. We've all helped each other in, in bad times. And I don't want to uh, affect that, you know, that relationship, you know? So I, and it just so happens it's my hometown, my home area, and I'm still very popular there because I never really left for too long and I've had a huge following. And so, you know, I feel like I can be very successful there with, uh, you know, the students there and stuff like that. And hopefully, you know, I, I breed some champions and if not, hopefully I get some people that want to train with me, you know, either way. Um, you know, my main thing, whether it's a, a champion in the UFC or just somebody that it betters their lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, as long as I'm helping somebody and I'm affecting somebody in a positive way to me, that's a win. It doesn't always have to be a world champion for MMA or anything like that. As long as I can leave that imprint on somebody to know that, you know, they left my academy a better person or like I changed their life in a positive way that's that's big enough for me you know i don't i don't you know care for the championship belt. i don't care to be rich like that's what coaching you know to me is all about you know i've never been one of those people that want to soak up somebody else's fame you know what i'm saying like as long as i've helped that person improve and it doesn't matter how they've improved whether it's mentally physically fighting or you know self-defense or in school or being bullied or weight loss like that's what it's all about, you know, and that's that's what I'm I'm in for, you know, the long run, you know. Well, and it's an honor chatting with you and and getting that perspective, which I think is such a mentally healthy perspective of coaches, because if their performance increases, but them as a person decreases, as far as temperament or attitude or behavior, you're not really helping that person. And so much of being a healthy coach, like you just said, is being a healthy person yourself. You're not there to get famous off of them. You're there to help them achieve whatever their goals is. And a lot of times in fighting, some of the people that give you their best effort never want to go out there and fight. Some of them are just learners. They just want to learn and learn and learn. I remember um, somebody that came to, when I had an MMA gym, came to my gym, 51 years old as a dentist. But man, was he a guy that trained hard, wanted to learn. I think being a dentist, he had a really cerebral mind, really wanted to pick everything up. And you're thinking, of course, he's never going to fight. That wasn't the purpose. But he inspired everybody in the gym because here's a guy that just wanted to learn. And it made 
the team better because they saw somebody that could have just been like, ah, who cares? But he had that attitude. And I think as a coach, you would give that person just as much attention because it's about them developing. And so we, we hope to have you on again. Um, and we could talk for hours because I, I love who you are as a fighter, as a trainer, as a person. And it's so great to meet somebody in the world of MMA that really cares more than just MMA because we could still talk some of the UFC stuff where sadly fighters get surrounded by coaches that want to be famous because of their fighter and then they end up hurting their fighter, whether it be some of the cornering problems that have been coming up with the stoppages or whether it be mm -hmm. some of the advice and some of the other things that come into it, which we just don't have time to get into. But as always, it's just such a thrill having you on. Let's, let's give you the opportunity to throw out your shout outs or anybody that you want to put on our radar as far as a fighter or really anything. The time is yours because I know we're drawing to the end and you're a busy guy that has a lot of training to do tonight. So we want to allow you to get there, but close us out with who you want to thank and who you want to give um, our attention to as far as watching. Um, yeah, I think that, it, you know, with the, the new up and coming guys from, from Catones and a couple of guys over at Pure MMA, you know, the next generation is going to be killer. Obviously somebody on your radars, um, you know, Santos out of, um, out of Catones, he'll be fighting soon CFFC for the belt. And I have, uh, you know, big, big things for him. I think that, you know, by the beginning of 2021, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the UFC on short notice or at least on the contender series. You know, um, the Paul Capaldo, all these guys from Catones, just, you know, iron sharpens iron down there, you know. So you come in and you're forced to get better. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be there with these guys leading the way. And on more of the, the local regional scene that some of the people that don't have a ton of fights, you know, keep an eye out out of uh, Pure MMA up in north with the Main Brothers with um, a kid that I've been working with, um, Talia. And um, he's 1-0, but he's raw, and I've been adding a little bit of flavor to his, uh, to his style, and he's really picked everything up like a sponge. Um, and my buddy Sal, who's going to be uh, coming through, he's kind of uh, you know, injury-prone. If I can keep him injury-free, I think we see big things out of him. And also, uh, from the female aspect, Brooke Fay. Um, who's over at Pure, she's going to be uh, probably making her pro debut if the gyms and stuff end up opening up uh, promotion-wise, probably the beginning of 2021. She's 3-0 and now, uh, very scrappy, very good jiu-jitsu. Again, these new generation of fighters are like sponges. You show them something and they stick with it, you know, and that's what makes uh, my life as a coach, a mentor, friend, teammate, whatever, punching bag, it makes my life easier when, when you have students like that, you know, when they're open-minded and they're sponges, it's, you know, as long as you give them good, good advice and, you know, uh, you care, it's, it's very easy. It's like a video game, you know? So, uh, I'm excited, big things coming. And once, uh, you know, once the world gets back to somewhat normal, um, I think you guys are going to see a, a lot of these local guys really explode onto bigger and better scenes. And I'm excited to be, you know, by most of their sides and it's, it's going to be exciting and I can't wait for my fight. Can't wait to go out there and collect another belt. And, uh, also for, you know, some of the fighters that I corner now, I think big things coming up. we got some fights that I'm not allowed to talk about yet for the UFC, but hopefully mm -hmm. in the, the next week or two, they come through 
and uh, should be fun, man. It's uh, exciting. I haven't stopped just because Corona kind of took over the world. My life's still been crazy every day, whether it's training, fighting, everything. So, you know, it's uh, it's always fun. You know, I wish I had my own um, my own TV show. It'd definitely be interesting. I think I could. Uh, I could. I think I could sell. Definitely a talk show. <laughs> sure, a reality TV show, a day in the life of Shorty Rock. Ah sure uh, man, it'd be great. awesome. Okay. Well, hey, you might so not. Much. You might know that might even be coming sometime. You might have a guest appearance on a somebody else's show with with Shorty Rock. So keep an eye out for that. Maybe within the next year. Oh, okay. always well, things in the making. There's always things. <laughs> that would be that would be incredible. It's such an honor to have you on the show. It's so great to see where you're going to go with your career and. Great shout-outs for all the up-and-comer fighters. We can't wait to follow all their careers. You've been listening to Sean Shorty Rock Santella on MMA FanCast. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care and be safe.